Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we're uh, in the seventh part of our Calling Shotgun series, and we've been looking at the idea of calling shotgun in our own lives on purpose. Uh, We very much, all of us have this tendency um, to want to slide back into the driver's seat in our lives. We all have this pull uh, to get back into that space. We'll have our Jesus take the wheel moments, um, and it feels as soon as we're like between the lines again, We're like, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. I've got it from here. I'll drive for a while. Um, And then we find ourselves in the ditch again. And so um, the beautiful thing is, is that if we'll let him lead and guide, um, he'll keep us out of the ditch. He'll keep us out of that space. And so if we're learning to be able to let him lead, and I want you to understand that very clearly, you are learning this. You're learning it. And in that, with the whole message today, the whole message today is about having patience with yourself in the process. See, God made you and he is excited that you exist. In fact, he's so excited. He wants to make sure you exist forever. He wants you to live eternally. And so he sent Jesus to come and to die and to make a way for you and I to have life, have it abundantly, have it forever. That was his heart, that is his desire, that is what he wants from us. We have to get rid of this idea that somehow that you're an annoyance to God, that somehow God is frustrated with you and that somehow he sees you as the source of your problems and other people's problems. No, he designed you. He created you. He wants you. And so with that, we have to understand that the tension in our lives doesn't come from the fact that somehow we're some mistake God is just tolerating. What we have to recognize is we're a unique creation. God created with purpose and intent. And if we don't live in his purpose and intent, that's when all of the other mess spills out. That's That's where our problems and tensions come from. So that's why you and I have to call shotgun. We have to make sure and let Jesus be Lord in our lives. If you've got your bulletin or Bible app or however it is you're going to track along with the notes, we've led off with this idea that letting Jesus drive, letting him be Lord is the most liberating thing that we can do. And I get it. Lordship is this is a scary thing. It just because the truth is, if we let anything be Lord other than Jesus, it's oppressive. Even you being Lord of you is oppressive. You're not always a very good boss for you. You're not always a very good leader for you. But if you'll let Jesus be Lord, because we were designed for that purpose, we were designed to let the Spirit lead us and guide us in all things. If we will begin to do that, begin to learn and grow in that, then we'll begin to see the original design and the original intent that God put in our lives begin to be expressed. And Lordship isn't about God oppressing you so that you quit messing things up. No, Lordship is about God revealing the real you 
so that you can be the blessing and, and, the, and the place of, of the glorious creation he created you to be. It's for you being more you than you've ever been. Not you being less you. It's being the real you. And as we get this deep into the series, as we begin to look at all of these different places of calling shotgun and seeing the blessings in it and all that, at this point, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you begin to get excited about it. I'm hoping you're excited about letting him be Lord and that at this point, you're not as intimidated, that we've been opening the word and seeing the benefits and seeing the blessings of it. But I want to tell you, there's a, there's a different challenge that comes on the other side of being excited about something. Because now as soon as you're excited about something, you are ready to see it happen. You are ready for it to go down. I have not bought any Christmas presents yet on purpose. Because once I have it, I want to give it. I'm excited. I can't wait. There's some of you weirdos have already bought some Christmas gifts. I don't get you. How are you able to do it? How are you able to just stick it up in the closet, stick it up in the attic, and forget about it for three months? I don't get you. I, all, I, I would fixate on it. I would think about it. I would just so ready. I mean, I, I just can't hardly handle it. I get something bought for somebody. Amen. And I am just ready to exchange gifts immediately. It is just so exciting because we're excited. We're ready for the moment because it's not just about the purchase. It's about the exchange. It's about the giving. It's about the joy on their face. And that is still a little ways away. And we want to bring that in. We want to rush it forward. We want to bring it forward. There's this place where the truth is you want to, you want to make your year a little longer. You're like, man, the years are just going by so fast. You want to make your year a little longer. You go home today after church and go ahead and plan, plan out to the T your entire 2024 summer vacation. Pick the place, pick the activities, get it all done where everything's lined out. And all that has to happen is the date show up. You'll make your year real long. Because you can't wait to go on that trip. You can't wait to go and have that experience. You can't wait to go and do that. And all of a sudden, that expectation, you just want to close the gap so much. And it'll make the year feel a little longer. You want to take two weeks and turn them into a, into a, a whole month? You want to two months? Then you talk to a pregnant woman in her 39th week. That week 39 and week 40, that's like a lifetime all by itself. It just, you're just every little moment. You're like, is this it? Is this it? And then everybody's just watching you like you're a time bomb about to go off. You just get up and you feel a little awkward. And then all of a sudden, are you doing it? Are you going into labor? And then you're, they're wondering themselves. Cutie, no, no, it's just, just a normal pain. It's not that pain, it's a normal pain. But it makes, it just drags it out. Why? Because you're so excited, you can't wait to hold on to that little one and to, to snuggle it and to kiss it and to see that little baby. And it's just dragging on because you're excited. You know something wonderful is on the horizon. And you just want to bring it in as fast and close. And then you have to deal with this thing called patience. Patience. And patience, as we're going to look in the scriptures, is beautiful and a glorious thing. But let's just be honest. 
it is our least favorite fruit of the spirit right i'm not a big fruit guy but you know you go and buy those assorted little fruit things and there's some things that go real fast and there's something that's left for some reason i think it's the honeydew that always just kind of gets left and so everything else gets eaten and it's the honey patience is the honeydew like like nobody wants that one it's like we're all excited about this fruit of the spirit tray but hmm, i'm gonna kind of pass on that one and so, and if you've been in church for a while, you know, people encourage you to, to pray. Say, you know, pray about your stress. Pray about these things. Pray for rain. Pray for all these different things. But do not, whatever you do, pray for patience. <laughs> Somebody's told you that before. Do not pray for patience. Because I prayed for patience one time. <laughs> And then everything that required patience showed up on my doorstep. And I'm like, Lord, never again. I am not praying for patience. But the truth is, is patience is something we actually need to lean into. Patience is something we need to be excited about. And here is what's good. Is patience is a fruit of the spirit. It's something God will give you. Trying to do patience in your own strength is what you don't like. When you really begin to let God's patience work in you, it's very different than you trying to do patience in your own strength. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. We've hit on this every week. But in view of God's mercy, when you begin to look at your life through the lens of God's mercy... All of a sudden, you begin to see things differently. When you look at the challenging points in your life through the lens of God's mercy, all of a sudden, it literally looks different. You've just, you've put this filter on it. And all of a sudden, now you're seeing it the way God sees and what God wants to do. And maybe having some frustration in your marriage and, and you just see the tension and the, and the strife and the, and the years of, of pain and hurt that you've created in one another. And all of a sudden, you put the lens of God's mercy and you look at your marriage through the lens of God's mercy. And all of a sudden, you see what God sees. You see it healed. You see it whole. You see it be restored and put together better than it has ever been. And you see that. And that's exciting. You want to get to that. All of a sudden you, you look and you take the lens of, of God's mercy. And you begin to put it on you're dealing with a frustration with your child. And you see that all of a sudden that is restored and things are good and we want to get to that immediately. You take the lens of God's mercy and you look at your workplace and you look at your work life through the lens of God's mercy and you see him at work and all of a sudden things being very different and you want to get to that. It's, it's exciting. But we have looking through the lens of God's mercy, it looks different. Your future looks different through the lens of God's mercy. But in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, then once we've looked through the lens of God's mercy in the area of our relationships, of our, of our marriage, well, then we offer our bodies as living sacrifice. So we say, okay, God, as it pertains to me, as this part of the marriage pertains to me, I let you move right here. I see what your mercy is going to accomplish, and I'm confident in you. 
so I'm giving you permission in me. And that is making yourself a living sacrifice. You see it through the lens of its mercy. And then you say, God, well then work right here. I'm letting you work right here. Through the lens of your children. Lord, as it pertains to me, I'm going to let you work right here in your workplace. Lord, everybody drives me crazy. But Lord, I look at my workplace through the lens of your mercy and I can see some pretty amazing things taking place. If your mercy is brought into that. And so, and then you go, oh God, okay. That's where you want to go. So I'm going to let you have me. As far as you need me, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice because I believe, I see what your mercy can do in this space. And I'm going to participate with your mercy. This is what Paul is writing about. He's, um, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You've already got the vision of his mercy at work. So now we're like, okay, I'm excited about this. I'm trusting you. And this is holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Letting him have the fullness of you, that is your actual act of worship. Remember, he created you on purpose. He created you. So giving you back to him, that's ultimate worship. Yes, Lord. That's what this is about. That's your spiritual act of worship. But there's a tension. There's a pull at work here. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's some ruts that have been well-worn. There's some patterns well-worn in this world around us. And if we don't lean into his mercy, we'll find ourselves just back in one of those ruts that take to the destination that those ruts go to. So don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're gonna change the way we think. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All of a sudden, it makes sense. What God is trying to do, his will, it makes sense. When we look at it through the lens of his mercy, we let him have us and we're letting him fully work in us, then his will goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I'm not pulling against his will anymore. I'm not part of the problem. See, the thing is, is God's plan for your life, it takes your whole life. You don't live it, and then all of a sudden look back and talk about it for 50 years. Oh, man, God's plan for my life was so amazing. It was so wonderful. I'm so glad I did it when I was 28. No, it's your whole life. He's got a plan for you at 28, 38, 48, 58, 68, 98. He has a plan for your life. And it's going to take your whole life to be able to walk in the fullness of that. So because it's going to take a long time, it's going to require patience. It's going to require patience. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate. We're thinking about the Lord's glory, how he wants to work. And then we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. It just keeps getting better and better and better. Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He's the one who brings the transformation. See, here's the cool is he's bringing glory and then another level of glory and then another level of glory. 
That means he changed this part and was planning on changing the next part. But he called the first part glory all by itself while this part is still messed up. This part's still messed up, but we let him change this. And he's like, that's glory. And now I'm going to take you into another glory. And we let him change that. And another glory. And this part is still messed up. And guess what? There's still these parts that are still not quite revealed yet. But he's taking us from glory to glory to glory to glory. He is changing us. It mirrors the creation model. God had a full plan of creation and yet every day he did something fresh and new and called it good even though he knew he wasn't done. Here's the truth is can you celebrate God's goodness even when it's not done? Can you celebrate? Can you celebrate the goodness he's already completed when you know he's not done completing? That is what gives us patience. That's what gives us patience when we can celebrate what he has done when we know he's not done. That lets us be able to move forward and see, th- see God really work. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? It's his kindness that leads us towards repentance. It's his goodness, it's his mercy that leads us. It allows us to believe that change and transformation is possible. See, repentance, it's this word metanoia, and it means to change the way you think. To change the way we think. That's why we have to view through the lens of his mercy. As we're looking through his mercy, we're seeing a fresh picture, and now we're thinking about it differently. Because we're seeing it through God's eyes. We're changing. That is repentance. We like to think repentance is this place to just come into the altar and weep and crying and saying, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then we call that repentance. There's some places that once your mind has changed and you see some of your destructive past, destructive present, you do weep and you do cry and you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I regret this. And it can certainly be a, an outproduct of, of true repentance, of metanoia, of life, of mind change. Of, it can genuinely be that. And especially as we grow in it. We even see this in Paul's writings. We see progressive, progressive revelation as he first calls himself the least of the apostles and then the least of the believers or the least of the saints and then the chief of sinners. We see his progressive understanding of just how much God had done in his life just through his writings. There's this progression we see throughout the scriptures, but we have to understand that God's kindness it goes further than your kindness. Amen. When your kindness is done and you're like, God, why don't you do something about this? He's like, I am. Be patient. God's tolerance goes further than your tolerance. You're like, God, why don't you respond? Why don't you react? Because he's patient. His kindness is leading someone towards repentance. 2 Peter 3.15 says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. His patience means salvation. There's some times where we're like, Lord, why, Jesus, why don't you just come back already? 
Like, come on, like, just come back. And there's a space where I'm excited about the idea that Jesus coming back right now. I'm pumped about the idea. Because there's a space where from a very selfish perspective, I'm pretty confident in all my core close relationships that they're gonna go. But some of you, you think about Jesus coming back right now, and you're like, Lord, hold. I'm praying, I'm still praying from still praying for my best friend. I'm still praying for my spouse. And he's like, guess what? part of why I've not come back yet. That's part of why I've not come back. There's hope. I'm, pu- I'm pulling on their hearts. That is it. It's his patience means salvation. It means it. If he's being patient with something, that means there is salvation available. It is available. Whether or not they tap into it or not, he's keeping it on the table. He's like, if not close the window, grab it, taste and see that I'm good. That is what his patience is all about. See, the truth is, is the truth is, is that somebody was ready for you to get your stuff together well before you got your stuff together. There was somebody going, man, Lord, you need to do something about this one. There was somebody interceding for you. There was somebody interceding for themselves because of you. It's just the truth. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my parents walked in a place of grace and patience. When their 17-year-old son, future Pastor Brandon, walks in, throwing up drunk all over the place, and then lying about it with a really dumb lie. Don't ever let a drunk friend make up a lie for you. It was terrible. It was the dumbest lie. So I give my parents this dumb lie, and they just help me get cleaned up. And then we talk about it in the morning, and then I lie some more. And I lie some more. And I know my parents are sitting there like, this is not, this is not the, the young man. The call of God that we believe on this guy's life. What is he doing? What is he, why is he being this? And there's a place where God's patience was at work. God's patience was at work. And their, their hope and the vision they saw when they looked at that vomiting idiot in their living room. Through the lens of God's mercy, they saw something different than a son that had betrayed their trust and lied to them and was lying to their face. They saw something different. They saw the call of God on my life. God's kindness and his mercy, it just works. And we're so thankful for it. We're thankful for it because it allowed you and I to be here. We would not be here trying to grow in understanding and letting him be more Lord without that first opportunity to say yes to him. And the tolerance and the patience up until that space. And guess what? It's, he's still got it. We grow in his patience. We grow in it. First Timothy 1.16 tells us, for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. 
Romans 15:5 says, "Now may the God of patience and comfort grant that you be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus." He, we even need patience to be able, God's patience, to be able to be like-minded with one another. To be able to connect with God and connect with one another, we need the patience of God to be able to do it. See, knowing what God has said is the foundation for being patient in this process. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. This is why you and I spend time in the Bible on our own. But on your own. So, I, and if, if what you're doing is every day is spending time with scriptures and you read so many scriptures and, and you check that box, first off, as a pastor, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm thankful for that, that daily discipline and habit. And it will yield returns. I, I know it will. But I want to ask you to do this. If it's not already part of it, I want you to slow down. And even if you read a little less, but read a little slower, drinking it in and let the scriptures talk to you. Let them begin to, to give this place of the comfort of the scriptures, begin to reveal his mercy, begin to do those things. Why? Because that will begin to put uh, patience in your heart, knowing what God is up to, knowing the promises of the scriptures. See Luke chapter eight. Jesus talks about our response to the word in the parable of the sower. And he says, but the ones on the rock, there are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy and they have no root and who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. And now the ones that fell among thorns are, are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Most of us aren't the ones who fully reject it. Most of us aren't even the ones who are just receive it for a little bit and then it's just kind of a flash in the pan. Most of us here, if we've been in church for a while, if we're going to fall into one of these places, we fall into the third one. Where the word is growing, but the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, just all of the grind of life choke it out and it doesn't produce fruit to maturity. And so what do we need to do? We don't need to have the word replanted. We need to have the, have, remove all the stuff that's choking it. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, just push those things aside. And guess then what it will do? The, that thing that's already alive will begin to grow and produce fruit to a maturity. And it will look like the next one. It says, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. It's still going to take a little while. That's why we have to have the lens of hope, seeing what lies ahead, and that lets us stay with the course and get there. See, patience works with faith as God's plan for our lives is lived out. Hebrews 6.12 says, For we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It's faith and patience that we inherit what's been promised. We spend time in the scriptures and we see what's been promised. We have faith and patience and we finally get to live in those and inherit what has been promised. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and evidence or certain of what we do not see. Luke 21.19 says, by patience 
possess your souls. There's some time in this walk that our mind, will, and emotions begin to get out of control. And patience helps us to begin to settle those things. And James 1, 4, it's a life scripture for me. It says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God's doing his thing. If we'll just let him do it, we'll go from faith to faith. We'll go from glory to glory. We will move forward in him. But we have to let patience have its perfect work. When we look at the fruit of the spirit, we understand love, joy, peace, patience. But there's sometimes we don't really know what those look like. And I love that it's been said that, that joy is love singing and, and that peace is, is love trusting and kindness is love acting and gentleness is love's touch. I think it's really beautiful that patience is love waiting. And when we can have patience, when we see what God is doing, we see it through the lens of his mercy and we just wait for God to bring it about. He bring it about and all of a sudden we begin to step into the fulfillment of his promises. Our bottom line this morning is this, is that in this thing of, of riding shotgun and choosing shotgun, we want to experience patient progress. That's where it happens. Patient progress. And I am so thankful that my calling is to be a local pastor. I'm thankful for the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers. But as a pastor, I get to be rooted in a place long enough that I get to watch the growth in you guys. I get to see it and experience it and be a part of the journey on this because God is genuinely at work and he's genuinely making a difference. And if you'll just ride shotgun, let him lead. Just be patient in the process. That's what this long haul looks like. It's, it's a patient ride. He'll take you where he's promised to take you. I'm confident of that. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.